everyone. Welcome to Chi Alpha After Hours. We're your hosts, Cassie, Nathan, and Christian, here to take a closer look at what it means to follow Jesus on the university campus. In these first few weeks of winter term, we're zooming in specifically on the Holy Spirit. In the last couple of weeks, we've talked about the Spirit's role in transforming our character to be more like Jesus and his role in strengthening community. We recommend listening to those episodes first if you haven't heard them yet, because they're a helpful foundation for this one. This week, we're talking about how the Spirit wants to empower us to witness boldly for Christ. The phrase baptism in the Holy Spirit doesn't appear in the Bible, so I want to be clear about what we're talking about today. When we talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, we're referring to a particular spiritual experience that is different from salvation, accepting Jesus as Savior and Lord, and is also different from water baptism, which is a public demonstration of repentance. We also mean something different than the Spirit's role in transforming our character. We believe that the Spirit can work in any believer in these ways without them having necessarily experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So then, what are we talking about? When we mean, or when we talk about a baptism in the Holy Spirit, we mean a particular spiritual experience that happens after conversion, so after someone becomes a Christian. We believe that salvation is the only prerequisite, so this experience is available to all believers, even brand new ones. When someone is baptized in the Holy Spirit, they receive additional power from the Spirit so that they can witness boldly for Christ. We see this in Jesus' words found in Acts 1.8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The biblical norm is that when this happens, the believer is also given the ability to speak in another language that they haven't actually learned. This is called speaking in tongues, which the believer can still choose to do after the initial experience of baptism in the Spirit. We believe this form of speaking in tongues is usually intended to build up the believer, which we'll address later. Okay, so let's talk about this. If the phrase baptism in the Holy Spirit isn't in the Bible, what biblical evidence is there for a baptism in the Holy Spirit? Why do we believe that this is even a real thing? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. Um, you know, in Matthew three eleven, John the Baptist, he, in announcing, um, he was there to announce Jesus. He was there to announce what Jesus was going to do. And um, he said that John the Baptist said, my ministry is to baptize you with water for repentance um, and he said, but Jesus is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so we see like as people, um, as God's church, as, as Jesus leaves um, his church at, when he ascends. So he dies and he's resurrected. He spends um, many days with his believers and then he, he leaves them. But right before he leaves, he, he gives them a commission. He gives them a task. He says, Go into all the world and um, and make disciples. And he says before that they're allowed to go do this, that they need to go to Jerusalem and wait for this gift of the Holy Spirit. And this moment would be like the first time where God baptizes his people with the Holy Spirit. And uh, and we look on that as, as an event that was unique in that moment. Um, however, it's also a moment that um, and we see it happen many times in the book of Acts that different believers have this ex- same experience that that um, the first d- disciples had in um, Acts 2, um, where the Holy Spirit comes down and everyone spart- starts speaking in different tongues. And it results in everybody, like so, like 3,000 people coming to know the Lord that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and we see that several times in the book of Acts where somebody... They, they, there's an expression of God's power or somebody will, um, when they confess Jesus, um, the spirit will descend on them and then they will speak in tongues or, or somebody maybe already knew Jesus and they got baptized and then the apostles lay their hands on them and then they speak in tongues. And so, mm-hmm. so this, this experience seems to be one that is, is, um, happened several times in, in the book of Acts and, um, which is an experience that we can have today, and so that's where the that's where the idea of the baptism of the Spirit comes. It's it's um, us today coming up with a phrase to explain the phenomenon that we see happen um, several times in the Book of Acts, and that was promised um, by John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think that specific example that you're talking about um, in Acts 19 actually is helpful as a framework for how to think about this, right? Like the disciples are going out and they encounter these believers on the road and they say, hey, did you receive the spirit when you believed? Um, And that seems like an odd question to us because we believe that the Holy Spirit indwells every believer, um, that when someone becomes a Christian, the Holy Spirit is already inside them. Um, And they say, well, we've been baptized in water. Um, They're confused and and the, the disciples still see a reason to lay their hands on them and pray for them to receive the Holy Spirit. And so there's this idea of a second experience, a special enabling where the Spirit comes to dwell more powerfully in that person. Um, or they're released to obey the Spirit in these ways, uh, which is different than conversion. I think that's important. Yeah, I think I think it's important because, um, you know, I think the question is, is, is the Spirit in a person when they believe in Jesus? And, um, you know, Jesus, when he's talking to Nicodemus, he says, yes, they— in order to come to Jesus, you need the Spirit. The Spirit needs to live within you. Like, the Spirit needs to—you need to be born anew of the Spirit. So when we say yes to Jesus, um, we receive the Holy Spirit. And He does these things like change our character, or He even allows us to repent in the first place. You know, it's—the Spirit indwells in us when we say yes to Jesus. The difference between that moment, uh, or how the how the Spirit lives in us and is helping us, and the baptism of the Spirit— it would be kind of a directional thing. It's like when we receive Jesus, it's like the Spirit comes and heals us. He dwells with us. He connects us to Jesus. Um, but the baptism of the Spirit is when we're really saying, hey, I don't just want Jesus to live with me. I want to be part of forwarding God's kingdom in the world. I want to do, I want to participate with God. I want to, I want the Spirit to move through me for other people. Mm-hmm. And so it's a moment where this baptism of the Spirit isn't isn't about us, um, in a sense, like getting more for ourselves or, or getting closer to Jesus, but it's in a sense of like having God dwell in us more. It's more a sense of us participating with God's plan and saying, Lord, use me for your, your will. And the spirit baptizes us to use us, um, for bringing the, bringing the world more to, to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what do we mean when we say that the gift of speaking in tongues that's associated with being baptized in the Spirit might be to build up the believer rather than for sharing in public? Um, we talked about that a little bit last week, um, but I think it's helpful to, to share about it in this context. Um, and I think especially looking at 1 Corinthians 12, verses 14, where Paul's talking about tongues. Yeah, so, you know, the gift of tongues is like just this amazing gift. What my my mentor Brady Bobbing one time told me, the gift of tongues is the only gift that the Bible says is for yourself. Yeah, there's no other gift in the Bible that says like this gift is for you. Like, um, you know, when we pray for somebody to receive healing, it's like God using us to give a gift to somebody else. But um, it says in First Corinthians 14, it says. Um, if a person prays in tongues, he edifies himself. You know, his spirit is edified, and that we can build up ourselves um, when we pray in tongues. And praying in tongues is us speaking a language that we don't understand. It's it's we're allowing the Holy Spirit to pray through us what we don't understand. And in our it, our mind, it doesn't make sense to our mind. We don't know what's going on, but we're trusting that the Spirit is building up our spirit. And um, and that and that through doing this obedience, maybe maybe the spirit is doing something we don't understand. Um, I know one uh, one woman that a lot of us on our staff we really look up to is this woman named Jackie Pullinger, and she talked about when she would pray in the spirit, it just seemed like God would line up her day with these amazing moments, um, because she was praying for things that she didn't understand or couldn't foresee, but she was letting the spirit pray on her behalf to order her day. Um, in ways she didn't understand, but but the spirit would use the speaking in tongues as a way of lining up things, and those are all mysterious things. We don't quite understand how it all works, but um, but just that the speaking in tongues edified her and helped her. Um, but Paul says if we if we want to be edified like that, then when we go to you know Kyle Alpha Fellowship or we go to church, that when we pray in tongues, 
like that's not the place for us to pray out tongues out loud to get that experience of being built up. If we want to be built up or edified on our own by speaking in tongues, it's something that we can do privately in our own personal um, devotional time. Or when we do go to church, doing it silently, like like whispering it or in our minds. Um, but but if we want to edify the body, if if God maybe says, "I need you to, I want you to speak in tongues right now." And then at that point, we would speak in tongues in a way that everyone can hear. And then there's a moment of interpretation that that, that could bless the whole community. And that, that, that experience isn't for that one person. And so that's where the difference is between like congregation or communal sharing of tongues um, versus the individual one, if that makes sense. So like another example of that would be like in, in uh, Acts 2, everyone's speaking in tongues there. Um, and it says... That there was this other miracle that everyone could understand it in the, their own language. And so these guys, they don't know what they're speaking. Um, they're speaking in tongues, but now everyone can hear it in their own language. And there's a sense of that wasn't for the apostles or the, the disciples who are praying. This was for everybody else. And there's this moment when everyone is like, whoa, God is doing something amazing. And mm-hmm. And it resulted in 3,000 people coming to know the Lord. And everyone's an interpreter. <laughs> everyone's an interpreter, right? Yeah. And so um, now that that's going to look different in our congregations today probably. But the idea is that if somebody speaks in tongues in a congregation, that there should be an interpretation so that everyone can be built up and that it could be a, a really meaningful experience for the body as a whole. Mm-hmm. I think the sense there is that you know in a congregational setting, it should be understandable um, especially thinking of who might be in a congregation, like there might be people who don't know Jesus and they're like, okay, why are these people talking in a language I don't understand? Like the goal is really for order in that case so that everyone can come to know Christ and God will be glorified rather than just confusing <laughs> these people. Um, but I think what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 14 is really important or he's like, hey, I speak in tongues more than all of you. Like <laughs> this yeah. is a good thing. Um, in the in the private use of it, and I know personally in my own life, I've found that like praying in tongues when I'm off by myself helps me to focus more on the character of God um, and what it what it is that I'm thinking about and praying for. So yeah, no. I re- I remember when I wasn't a Christian, I went to a really Pentecostal church, you know, and we're Pentecostals, right? So we believe in that Pentecostal just means we believe in the the working of the Holy Spirit today. We believe in the baptism of the Spirit. Um, but I went to a Pentecostal church when I wasn't a Christian. And uh, I go there and everyone's speaking in tongues. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, are these people witches? Like, what's going on? Like, I had no idea. I was like, you know, Harry Potter wasn't around then. But I was like, <laughs> it would be like, is this like, you know, Harry Potter land? What is this? Are, are these real Christians? I thought that they weren't allowed to be you know, casting spells or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. just had no idea what was going on. Yeah. And um, that... And it, and it maybe made me think I can't trust this place. Or or maybe even if I would have been like, oh, no, this place is great. Maybe I would have been thinking like, I want to be a witch too. You know what I mean? Like, which <laughs> right. is not the kind of thing that we want to experience. So that's why, you know, we have to think really thoughtfully about and, and hospitably about using the gift of tongues in the group. Not that it, it shouldn't be done but it should be done in an orderly, good way. And I've, I've seen it be done just in amazing ways that are just really edifying in a big in a, in a bigger congregation, but it needs to be done orderly so that the, the non-Christian among us can really understand um, mm. what's going on. Or even the Christian who has never heard of this. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so since we're talking about a spiritual experience here, um, which, you know, can be different in our uh, individualist 21st century American culture, Um, There's often a lot of misconceptions or concerns about this. Uh, So Nathan and Christian, what are some that you've heard which we can address here? I think one, just from like being a a pastor in in this denomination that really values um, listening to the Spirit and values um, speaking in tongues and having this experience of baptism of the Spirit, there can be this sense that like, if I haven't had this experience of speaking in tongues, that I'm not, I'm like a second class Christian. Like I know I, you know, Ramona, my wife, she sought to have this experience of being baptized in the spirit 
for for many many years and um and it felt it was very hard for her because she didn't understand it maybe she didn't get it all the way and she never really experienced it um until she was like much 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 older and so but probably from the time of middle school until she was done with college she just continually prayed and and it was kind of a hurtful thing for her because she mm-hmm. felt like everybody else was getting something that she wasn't getting and she kind of got the sense of I'm a second class christian and um i think that's a huge misconception that like that this makes you a better Christian in a sense, like that, or that God loves you more if you have this experience. Um, you know, I think it's important that this does come from God. It's something that God gifts us with. The Bible's really clear about that. Um, God's really generous. You know, it says if we ask Him to receive the Holy Spirit, He's going to be faithful to give it to us. Um, we just don't know what time that is. And, uh, you know, in Ramona's case, she she got really upset and she got really hurt. Um, she felt like there was something wrong with her, um, and I think that that is just a wrong way to do it. We we ask mm-hmm. the Lord for things and then we trust that He's going to give them to us in His time, and we can't read into not experiencing things. Um, sometimes, maybe I mean, there are times where people ask and they're asking with wrong motives, and maybe God won't give somebody that thing for that. Mm-hmm. But that's that's not always the case, and sometimes people very well-meaning ask, and it, and it just takes a while for them to, to get it. Um, I'd say most people, when they ask, the Lord gives it to them mm-hmm. like pretty quick, but that, that isn't everybody's experience. And, um, and that it'd be wrong for anybody to judge a person or judge what the Lord is doing and withholding that. And so in Ramona's case, you know, she, after, you know, many years of having that kind of as a wound in her. Um, when she was in college, she just decided, I'm going to, I, I, every time somebody asks, I'm going to pray for it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I'm going to get it or not, but I'm just going to ask every time. And um, she was serving on staff as a pastor um, at the Chi Alpha, at a Chi Alpha in Bellingham, Washington. And one day one of the students at a, at a, at a Chi Alpha fellowship time um, one of the students said, "Do you want to receive the? You want to pray for the receive the baptism of the Spirit?" And she said, "Well, I'm gonna be faithful and do it." Mm-hmm. And that was the day. That's so cool. And that was the day she did it. Yeah. And uh, she speaks in tongues a lot now. She speaks mm-hmm. in tongues like every day. And I didn't know it. She just does it on her own, really mm-hmm. privately. Um, and it was a really meaningful event for her. And it, and it, and you know, like in the in the, all those years before, she always thought it was like. Oh, God must not love me as much. And she finally got to a place of peace. Like, I'm just going to wait for God at the moment. And um, then when God did give it to her, it really validated that whole experience of waiting Mm -hmm. and the ways that she matured in her perspective. So you never know why the Lord might wait to give you something. Um, And I think generally, God usually just gives people this. So I'm not trying to make this like, this is the normal experience. You're going to have to wait mm-hmm. for a decade or something. Most most people, they ask, and the Lord just gives it to them. But it's important not to read into why the Lord, you know, doesn't give you something like right away. Mm-hmm. I think in that too, I've prayed with students before, and in that time, they haven't received it. Um, but I think it does teach us to wait and trust in the Lord And in that time, as we've been praying and seeking him, he's often spoken other things that this student really needed to hear. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, hey, you know, there's this sin in your life. Like, would you repent of that? Mm -hmm. Um, And they've been healed in that way. Or, um, hey, I want to speak this thing into your identity just because that's important and I love you and I want you to know it. Um, So I don't think it's like an all or nothing thing. I think God can use this time of us waiting and trusting in him and seeking him intentionally for other purposes too. Um, even if it's not an immediate thing. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I, I think about Ramona's uh, story, and I think that act of waiting is, uh, I think everything that we're growing in ultimately always relates to our trust of the Lord rather than a trust of other things. Mm-hmm. And I think the greater blessing is not the gift, it's the relationship with the giver. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, the relationship with the giver is one of trust. 
And, you know, I think I'm, I'm really not trying to project into Ramona's situation, but I know of my own personal experience with asking for just things, not even just the gift of tongues, just things I've asked from the Lord. There's that aspect of wrong motives where that Christian mentioned. There's also a level of like, I actually have to like practice trust because a wound has actually been made in me. And maybe in Ramona's situation, it's like, I think that I'm less valuable to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so the Lord's like, yeah. develop a practice of just asking and trusting that I'm going to. And maybe that was just the time it took to heal from that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really don't know, but like, I could definitely see like, okay, you've had this wound for a decade or so, or years or whatever, and it takes time for some wounds to heal. And that's how I've chosen to do that healing. It's for you to do it, not for me to do it miraculously. And then the other thing I would hope that someone in Ramona's situation or Ramona herself is like, would be that, you know, hey, the Lord works, wants good things for me. And you know what? He worked in me through just patiently asking and trusting him long term. Mm-hmm. So maybe... Maybe with this other thing that I'm asking for, I just am going to wait patiently and continue to ask, having a, a, you know, a rhythm or a practice like she had where it's like someone asks, I'm just going to ask for it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I think of so many believers who ask, who, uh, George Mueller, he's a Christian in the 1800s, and he um, was praying for two friends to become believers and someone asked him, like, do you really think that God wants them to be saved? And he's like, well, why would God want me to ask? Uh, why would God want me to pray for them if he didn't? And he prayed for them for like 20 plus years. And they both ended up coming to the Lord. One on his death, on George Mueller's deathbed. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you know, it's sometimes I don't know why the Lord chooses to do it that way, but he does choose to do it that way. And so and so to this question of like, you know, if I don't receive it, it's like it's not a statement about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not a statement about you. You don't have to don't. That is the enemy. I would say that mm-hmm. is the enemy. Mm-hmm. It's like trying to sow seeds that are not meant to be there. Yeah. And so it's like, hey, you know, OK, God doesn't want to use me this way. He wants to do something else with me right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think too, like related to this idea is like, am I a am I a more mature Christian if I've experienced this, or a better Christian? And and I would say the answers are both like yes and no because I think in some ways, when we ask, am I more mature? Am I better? Sometimes what we say is, am I a stronger Christian? Am I a better Christian? Does God love me more? And the answer would be no to that. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. God loves everybody the same. Um, but in another sense, you know. Being baptized in the Spirit is another level of maturity. It's another. It's another step. It's another way that you grow in intimacy with the Lord. You know, when you think about, um, you know, the moment that you know your father is always like, um, you know, he's like helping you learn how to, you know, build something like build a shed, but then like you get to the point where you guys are building sheds together. Mm-hmm. That's a different level of intimacy mm-hmm. that you have mm-hmm. there, and um, it doesn't mean. Your dad didn't love you when he was teaching you how to build the shed, right? Um, it just means that, like, you've grown and your, your relationship has taken on a new level where now you're participating and working together mm-hmm. versus, like, just being, you know, provided for, cared for, taught. Does that make sense? So so it's – so in a sense, this this step of being baptized in the Spirit is, is maturing. It's a step of maturation. It's a step closer of intimacy. But – it doesn't mean that God rejects you if he's waiting to give it to you. It kind of reminds me of like getting a beard, you know? I mean, I know I that. I can't relate. I, I know. Well, yeah, probably not. <laughs> but like for me, like as a, as a guy, like I remember there was this kid, Patrick McCarty, in eighth grade, and he had a full grown beard. And everybody like looked up to him. Everyone's like, dude. And it's like seriously, in eighth grade, you get a beard and everyone's like, dude, that guy's cool. It's like, and he wasn't cool. I don't know why people thought he was cool. Like, he was a guy I guess I never really got along with. I didn't hate him or anything. Just, I hope he's not listening to I me. hope he doesn't listen to That'd this either. But, but, you know, he got a lot of street cred just because he had a beard. Does that make sense? I mean, he was a smart guy too. Smart. Yeah. He was actually pretty articulate. I mean, he, he was mature in a lot of ways too. Um, but, um, but a lot of times, you know, you're in middle school, you're like, man, I wish I just had a beard right now. My beard didn't come in until my 
like sophomore year of college, I started growing a beard because it was like manly month of March or something like that. And I'm not kidding. My beard was so ugly and so unlike full that people had conversations. My friends had conversations when I wasn't there about how bad my beard was and about how it wasn't growing in. And um, my beard probably didn't really start growing in until it was 20 four, 25, like start being fuller, you know? And I even think now somebody like, that's not a very full beard, you know, like, but, um, it doesn't really matter. The point is, this isn't about my beard. The point is, is we can look at those moments and be like, when is this going to happen? And sure, growing a beard is a part of being a more mature man, right? Or, or being able to grow a beard. Even if you don't have a beard, you can be a mature man. But if, you know, being able to grow it, you feel like, oh, now I'm a man, you know, I have to shave now or I have to, you know. Um, but it comes at different times for each person. Mm-hmm. And to say that a person is less of a person, less of a human being because they aren't growing a beard is, is ridiculous. Similar with the way that we talk about the baptism of the spirit, you know, like the Lord is going to let that grow in <laughs> at the right time mm-hmm. for you. Um, it is a step of maturity, but but we wait for that. We wait for that moment. So um, so anyway, I just think that's important to mention. I think when I hear the question of you know does this make me more mature or or better Christian, I think, or does this make uh, someone else more mature or a better Christian? Um, I don't. I think one that question is either rooted in pride or it's rooted in envy. Mm-hmm. And both of those are contrary to the spirit. Yeah. Which is a sign of immaturity. <laughs> um, yeah. And so rather than trusting, it's like the Lord, oh gosh, uh, St. Therese of Lisieux. I know, I'm quoting another saint. Um, <laughs> she actually said, God, I want to be your toy. And I don't want to be a toy that you leave on the shelf and it stays dusty. I want to be your ball that you throw around the room and that you just enjoy and you like love to play with. And I think that there's this degree in what she's saying of just like, I don't care how I'm being used. And I don't want to be the pretty thing. I want to be the thing that you interact with. Mm-hmm. Being mature Christian is really the willingness to trust the Lord mm-hmm. that he's interacting and that he's enjoying you mm-hmm. and enjoying that he enjoys you. Um, and so th- to the statement of like tongue speaking, it's like, oh, well, does it? It's like that's a brand, uh, uh, a newly converted person who uh, is speaking in tongues the first day that they're a Christian, are they a more mature Christian than the one who's dedicated their life for 30 years, who quietly sweeps, who's a janitor, and just dedicates their life to doing their job well because that reflects positively on the Lord? No. no, the janitor is a more mature Christian. Mm-hmm. It's just not as extraordinary. It's not as flashy. Mm-hmm. But that janitor is like, I'm willing to be used however God wants me to be used. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I mm-hmm. stay away from envy and pride. It's just bad. <laughs> yeah. And I think on the other side, you know, if you are someone who has been baptized in the spirit it's not an excuse for elitism Mm -hmm. it's not an excuse to say hey you need this or you're not good enough it's it's not any of that or even to look at other like christians from other denominations and say hey we're better than you because we're experiencing this thing i think that's that's the wrong attitude to have about it Mm -hmm. so that's important yeah and i think in another sense you know somebody might ask the question like like you know i think you're right you're absolutely right nathan saying like if you're asking this question comparatively will this make me a more mature, better Christian than other people? Or mm-hmm. then that's like, or it's you're implied. worried about other people and that's, that's bad. But if you're asking it for yourself, like, mm. is this going to make me a more mature close, you know, you know, better mm. is a weird word, but a more mature Christian that you know, helped me grow my intimacy. I think it's a, yeah. I mean, the answer would be yes for yourself. Like this is mm-hmm. a really positive, good next step to try mm-hmm. to ask mm-hmm. the Lord for and to pursue mm-hmm. for yourself, you know, not, not comparing yourself to others, but wanting mm-hmm. to seek the Lord more 
And um, I think that, that kind of leads to another question that I think um, kind of similar to when I experienced going to that really Pentecostal church and all these people are praying in tongues. Like, is this, is this experience, is, is this idea of praying in tongues or being baptized in the Spirit, seeking the spiritual gifts, like, is that from God? Like, maybe a lot of people have been raised in really, like, conservative Christian places that are a little more quiet or a little, or maybe they look at gifts as like, whoa, uh, maybe, you know, we pray for somebody to be healed and maybe they are, but we're not laying our hands on them. And it was just God did it in a hospital or something like that. I'm okay with that. But us like asking for it right now or, or us using these gifts just kind of freaks me out. And, um, I think sometimes some Christians or some denominations like look at these gifts as like, oh, is this witchcraft, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, the difference between witchcraft and what we're doing, it's, it's pretty profound and it's really different, is that witchcraft is about like forcing God to do something. Or mm-hmm. it's like we say something and it happens. Or some um, other spirit. Or some other spirit or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but it's this idea that, you know, we cast a spell, right? If we say these words, then this thing happens. If I make this prayer, then this will happen. The truth is, like, all we're doing is we're asking for the Lord to move. We're, we're, we're submitting ourselves and saying, God, you are powerful to act. Mm-hmm. Can you act in this way? And we're broadening the different ways that we think God can move. Mm-hmm. Can God help, um, help discern somebody's direction in life? Can God um, convict somebody? Can God heal right now in this moment? Not just through a doctor, but right now through this mm-hmm. moment. We, we want to say that God can do anything because we believe in God's ability and we're not wanting to limit him in the different things. And he cares about our physicality. He cares about our psychology. He cares about all these parts of us. And we're saying God can actually come and bless every part of us. Mm-hmm. He could, he could, um, if we, if somebody's like really out of money and they need help, we can pray for that person to receive mm-hmm. financial help and we can believe in the Lord that he's going to, he's able to do that. And so it's it's really a statement of us not restricting God. It's saying, God, come, and we're just going to ask you for all of our needs, and we believe that you can move in any way through us um, in whatever way you want. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but the difference is, is when we see the thing happen, it's not us. Yeah. It's still the working of God. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, witchcraft, Jedi is all that. That's them manipulating a force to do something. We're not manipulating God. Mm-hmm. We're just asking God to move mm-hmm. through us. And um, that's, that's, we see that all the time in the Bible. That's the normative way that the Bible works. And there's no indication that that was supposed to ever end in the Bible. And, um, and so we trust that, you know, when we operate in that way, where we're submitting ourselves to God and we're mm-hmm. asking him to come and we believe that he can come and do these things, that's us walking in the faith of our ancestors, the faith of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not limiting God. Um, however, you know, if we're if we're praying these things, thinking we're forcing God to do stuff, then that's not very good. That's that's that is a little bit more like like witchcraft and the bad things. And so, yeah, I think the key to what you were saying is that it's in submission to the will of God. That's right. Right. You know, <laughs> if if a prayer isn't answered. Okay, it's not God's will to do that thing at that time, but we can assume things about God's character because we've read the Bible, right? So we know that God is good. We know that he loves this person who we're praying for. We know that he cares about them. It's not the evil spirit or the deceiving spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. Like we can trust the Holy Spirit because he's holy. Um, I think especially uh, in Luke 11, verses 11 through 13, uh, Jesus is talking about the spirit and says, You know, uh, a human father can give you good gifts. Like, he doesn't want to give you a snake if you ask for it or something else. Um, And so how much more would your father in heaven, who knows you perfectly, who knows exactly what you need, want to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit? Um, There's the sense of, like, this is a really good thing. And your father wants you to have this kind of relationship with him. And so, of course, uh, he wants to give you something good, something that's going to help you to relate to him better. Yeah, I think too. Like, the Bible says explicitly, these gifts—the gift of tongues, the gift of healings—I mean, all the gifts we talked about last week—are good gifts that we should seek. Mm-hmm. And if we don't 
say that, if we say, yeah, but they actually, the gift of tongues is kind of weird. I actually think it might be from the devil. I mean, do we trust the Bible or not? You know, the Bible is very clear. Mm-hmm. And if we if we decide to dispute with it on this this thing, I'm, I'm not saying that the gift of tongues can't be done in a wrong way. The Bible is really clear on that also. But there's a sense where maybe in America in the 21st century, we're uncomfortable mm-hmm. with different kinds of spiritual gifts. Or maybe in the last 300 years, we've been uncomfortable with spiritual gifts. But that is not us being more righteous. That's us being more like our culture. Mm-hmm. And we need to trust and not limit the way that God wants to, to work. And so it's, it is, I think, a place of pride and arrogance for us to, to judge something that the Bible says is very good and to label it as evil or be be overly suspicious. We can have honest questions and and ask good things. And, and we, we, if we don't want to do an evil thing, it's good to bring it before the Lord and ask him for guidance. Um, but at the same time, there's a level where we just need to trust what the Bible says and trust what, what the Lord has revealed to us. And um, if we don't, then what are we saying about the Bible? We're saying it's not trustworthy. Mm-hmm. Um, where the, the Bible is extremely trustworthy. Um, it's the most trustworthy um, words that we can have. They're the words of life. And so um, why, would we, why would we say one part of the book, like, yeah, I can trust in the salvation of Jesus, the goodness of God here, but not in 1 Corinthians 12 to 14. Because that's too weird. Because it's too weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I think we need to ultimately ask, are we really surrendered in our understanding of how the world works mm-hmm. to the Lord. And um, we need to be ready to throw off all of our cultural stigmas and things like that and say, Lord, how do I need to be radically changed? And what are the things that you want to do that are outside of my understanding, outside of my experience? Because you have a, a good thing um, for me and for this world. And so I think it ultimately is a question of, do I trust the Bible? Do I trust the way it speaks? And how, how, how willing am I able to confront my own cultural expectations or understandings or even religious, you know, from my church background, understandings to be submitted um, to the Bible. So. Mm-hmm. so what are some good reasons to seek the baptism in the Holy Spirit? You know, I think kind of just just talking more about like uh, the things that I was saying, just this idea of that now we get to be on God's team, that we get to do things, that now we get to operate with him. Um we get to see God do amazing things, um, and we get to be a part of that process. We get to participate with him. All of a sudden, we're saying, I don't want to just be um, a recipient of God's grace. I want to be part of extending your grace to the world, Lord. Um, Teresa of Avila. Gotta be, I'm going to be kind of like Nathan that's, right now. Wow. That's my territory. Nathan. Teresa of Avila, she said, Christ has no body but yours, um, no hands but yours, no feet but yours. But the point being that God has chosen us. He sent us into the world to be his agents of reconciliation to God. Mm-hmm. And he moves through his spirit in us. And um, by, by, by seeking the baptism of the spirit, by asking to be used by God, to use his, his grace gifts um, for the world, we get to now be part of that. And um, it's a new level of intimacy. And it's, and we get to see people say yes to Jesus. And um, when you see that, when you see people, you know, we see God making an eternal difference in people through the things we do. I mean, it's just so amazing. And we're just so blessed to be a part of it. And so that's why we should seek this out, because we want to fulfill the thing God's called us to do. And um, we're just blessed to even be a part of that plan. Mm-hmm. I think it's really good of Jesus not just to be like, hey, your job is to go evangelize to the whole world, but that's it. Bye. You know, and to say, hey, I'm going to help you do that. And here's what it looks like. I'm going to give you power and I'm going to give you boldness as you go out and you witness to what you've seen. Um, And I know that that is important. I know I've talked to, you know, a lot of students. I've been this student who's like, I have no idea how to share my faith. Like, what do I do? What does that look like? Um, And the Holy Spirit offers to help us with that. Um, But we have to be open to it. And so I know in my own life, like 
just needing this boldness and power after I came to really follow Jesus seriously. Um, I grew up not hearing about being baptized in the Spirit. I had no clue what that was. Um, finally learned about it at a Friday night at fall retreat, my first year in Chi Alpha. Um, Saturday, there was a Q&A, and I was like, okay, I've never heard of this. I want to learn more. Um, ended up staying for the Q&A. I was like, okay, this is biblical. Um, stuck around afterwards, prayed, and received it like day two after yeah. knowing what this was. And I remember how profoundly different I felt um, just in knowing that I was praying for things that were really important to God, even if I didn't fully understand what was going on. Um, and that night was the first time I prayed out loud for a couple of gals in my core because I was mm-hmm. like, I just feel like, you know, you need to be prayed for. <laughs> like, yeah. how can we just sit here in our seats and pretend nothing's happening? God's at work. Um, and so there was this instant change in my character and what I cared about and how missional I wanted to be. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's important, you know, personally I've seen it in my life, but also for each person, I would love to have each person understand what that's like and to to know like, okay, you know, the, the faith that we profess is real. Here's this experience that I've had that I can look back on and say, wow, God was really with me there. And I know he's with me now. Um, Cause I can't, I can't do these things on my own. I think, um, most, most believers would say, yeah, like our goal is to become more like Christ. And I think to say that means that you have to want to be in the spirit that conceived Christ himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you were to, if you were to say like, well, I, I don't really, um, this part of, of, uh, of Christianity is not really something I want to exper- be a part of is to say like, I don't want to be like Jesus mm-hmm. very explicitly because Jesus, it's the spirit of Christ himself you know and how do you think he did the miracles it was through the spirit i know it's a big mystery because the spirit of christ the holy spirit same thing it's weird <laughs> but, but same but, but different. different but different <laughs> <laughs> but, but i i really um i think we we i think it's similar to what uh, has been said i think by christian it's like you know we don't want to cut off an appendage of god that god wants to have in us mm-hmm. um, we want to live fully as Christ's followers and we want to live um, according to the wholeness of who Jesus was mm-hmm. which has a physical component but also has a very deep spiritual component um, and to say I, I don't really want to play with I don't really want to play or engage or uh, work with the Holy Spirit is to say, I don't want to be with Christ mm-hmm. in, in its fullness. Yeah. yeah, I think I just got a picture imagining, imagine somebody gives you a present and you're like, I'd rather not. Nah. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like mm-hmm. a rejection. Mm-hmm. It's like a limiting of mm-hmm. your relationship, your friendship. You might stay friends, but it's like, uh they didn't weren't willing to receive this thing from me. You know, and there's this level of, Oh, there could have been more there in that friendship, mm-hmm. and um, there could have been a deeper sense of relationship. You know, and I think, I think the present. There's two types of presents. There's the present that is really exciting, and you just get to get it, and it's really like you know candy or something like that, and you just get to have it. And then there's the gifts that it's like, hey, I have this gift for you, and there's responsibilities that come from it. Mm-hmm. So I, I was very blessed. I had a supporter just recently, um, a month ago, give me a car. Well, I know. And it was amazing. It was really amazing. <laughs> she, uh, his wife actually passed away this Monday, just, oh. just saying that. Oh. Um, prayers for them. Um, but they gave me the gift of this car. But now guess what? I have to pay car insurance. Mm-hmm. I have to get a new title and license plate. I have all these things that I have to do to be responsible with the gift that was given to me. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the gift can be taken away mm-hmm. legally, like actually. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think sometimes we see the gift of the Holy Spirit and the power that he can use, and we understand on some deep level, I kind of don't want the responsibility, God. I kind of just want the candy. Mm-hmm. 
And God's like, do you really want to be our relationship to be that? You don't want me to trust you with other things? And that hurts the Lord, I think. He's like, I want to trust you because I know you can do it. It's very Job. I love I love Job because I think God is saying, like, Job's Job's the man. Job's going to take on the devil and the devil's going to lose. He's the protagonist. He's the... <laughs> yes, thank you for the Tenet reference. <laughs> um, and, like, I really do believe that God is, like, saying, like, no, you're like Job. I'm so confident that you can do it. I trust you to do it. You're going to take on the devil. You're going to take on the gates of hell. Mm-hmm. And you're going to overcome because I've overcome. Mm-hmm. But you have to do it through my spirit. So we've talked about good reasons to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, so how does someone actually go about seeking to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? What does that look like? You know, I think for us, like sometimes it happens just when somebody becomes a Christian. So somebody can just become a Christian. And there have been times where people just become a Christian and then they start speaking in tongues. Like, and you're like, whoa, it whoa, happened. It happened already. And so I think one thing is just to not limit it and not be like, when somebody does something like quick or out of time or out of our expectations, not to be like, hey, 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 wait a minute, or to be suspicious about it, just to be, praise the Lord. Do you know what that was? I have no idea, you know, and just <laughs> talk to them, explain it to them then, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's one thought. But but on the other hand, like for us who like, oh, I need to make a step now and I need to search for this. I think it just comes down to like praying. You know, I would read the Bible more and try to understand it uh, more. Um, and some of the passages that you know Cassie talked about either this week or last week. Um, but then it ultimately comes down to like you could ask a, a pastor or a friend, um, especially you know, especially somebody who maybe has been baptized in the Holy Spirit might be a helpful thing mm-hmm. um, because they know you know they've had the experience of and they can be helpful um just going to them and asking hey can we pray together i want to receive the baptism of the spirit and then just be open and ready for things you could even do this on your own you can do this you know um in your own room on your own you can just pray god please give me the baptism of the spirit and i think an important part is especially with the praying of tongues thing you know like god doesn't force our mouth to move like yeah. in islam you know they believe in um they believe that Muhammad didn't didn't have a choice. Like God just mm-hmm. moved his mouth, and the words that came out were God's words. Mm-hmm. Um, that isn't our faith. Like God doesn't make us do anything. Yeah. Um, it's up to us. And so there is an element of us making the sounds for us mm-hmm. opening our, our mouth. And it is this mystery, you know, where we just we just have a willingness and we start doing it. Mm-hmm. And then the Lord, you'll you'll just see like, oh, there's this. This language, I don't understand it. It's coming out of me right now. And just, just having that willingness to go ahead and and um, and start making the sounds once we feel led by the Spirit to go for it. And mm-hmm. um, once, you know, there's a, a level of risk, there's a step. You know, you think about Peter stepping out of the boat. He had to actually lift up his foot and walk on, and step onto the water, right? Like mm-hmm. Jesus didn't do that for him, you know? So in a similar way, that's how God works in this is us starting to mm-hmm. open our mouth and starting to pray in a language, you know, starting to make sounds, you know, and, and there's, there's that element of it, but we trust that God, once he's prompted us, that he's going to speak. And, and it's a, it's a pretty amazing, it's pretty amazing. And, uh, it's an experience that we participate in, but it's one that he carries us through and he, he prompts in us and he, and he fuels. And it's pretty it's a pretty cool experience. Mm-hmm. I think one thing is, is like, I think we've covered a lot of stories about people um, praying for the Spirit, Ramona's story and, and other stories about people who um, received it uh, in the moment that they asked for it. I think one thing, though, that I know for myself and like uh, receiving the gift of tongues Receiving any spiritual gift is ultimately surrendering on some level my own rationality. Mm-hmm. And like, this doesn't make sense. It's a mystery. You know, last podcast we talked about how does God give the gifts mm-hmm. I struggled a great deal with. How can this possibly be? How does this work? Mm-hmm. And some, and on some level it's like, hey, it's not about how. It's whether or not you want to engage with the who. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really the choice that we have to make sometimes is like, 
And we have to wrestle through that. And I think it was part of my spiritual maturity to start surrendering my rationality to a degree. Not altogether. God likes that I'm a rational being. Mm-hmm. Um, but like trust is sometimes a level of um, just surrendering like what makes sense to us and allowing things to not make sense and just engaging in it. Mm-hmm. So. I'm always the practical one. So if I was like, hey, I'm teaching someone how to start praying for this, um, I think my advice would be to start by praising God out loud in the language that you know in your native language. Like it is, a, you know, speaking in tongues, which we associate with this, is a language. It's meant to be spoken out loud. Um, and so I found personally for me that praying out loud and thanking God for things that he had done in my life and who he was was really helpful Because then I was transitioning um, not from like praying in my head, but from praising God and then in English and then praising God in this other language. Um, So that was helpful when when syllables and sounds started to come to mind that I, you know, wasn't familiar with being like, okay, I'm just going to trust that that's the same message, that that's also praising God. And so I'm going to speak that out loud. Um, I do think it's important also to ask in faith that you're going to receive it. If you don't ask, mm-hmm. you know, how is God going to then give it to you? I mean, mm-hmm. he might, but I do think that's helpful. Like that's a step of faith mm-hmm. too. I think something I did, okay, I told my mentor a number of years ago that I was doing this and he's like, I think that's something you really need to engage in so that you can receive the gift of tongues. Um, I told him one time, I was like, you know, sometimes I don't have words to pray. I just sort of feel an emotion hmm. in front of the Lord. So if I'm feeling scared, I'm just going to feel scared in front of him. Um, if I'm feeling sad, I'm just going to feel sad. And I don't know. I, I wouldn't say like one day all of a sudden I was praying in tongues, but that was part of my process was like, I don't have to have words to mm-hmm. pray to the Lord. I think I can just be in his presence. Um so that's might might be something that you uh, a person might try is just like oh, okay I'm just gonna feel things in front of him, um, I don't know, mm-hmm. that's that was part of my and journey. Maybe even vocalizing those, mm-hmm. but not in English. I mean, not like with words. You know, you can I, vocalize those. And, sure, and I didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that could Looks be really helpful. People. I think it's so like I think, and I think maybe the 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 general sentiment of that this conversation is like. You can pray a lot in a lot more ways than you might think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I read a lot on prayer. Trust me, there's a lot of ways to pray. (laughs) Yeah. And the Lord is uh, delighted to have the prayers that we have to give to him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. On that note, let's end there. Christian and Nathan, thank you so much for joining me today. If you're out there listening, we hope that this has inspired you to learn more. You can talk to us and to pray for the baptism of the Spirit. Feel free to reach out to any of us in person and talk more about this or email us with comments, questions, or topic suggestions at social at OregonStateXA.com. Have a great week. And remember, the Holy Spirit wants to help you in your witness about the glory of Jesus. Jesus.